This could be our last podcast with this answer, my friend. <laughs> Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. Welcome. I'm Brock, and with me is Pep. And this is episode three of the Unsportsmanlike Convo. How we doing, Pep? What up, B-Boy? Uh, uh, as I was saying earlier, the end of that uh, intro makes me want to put my hammer pants on and, and shimmy down my across my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Big shout out to the company who created that intro for us. Um, my, uh, you, I, The name fails me right now. Well, it was through Fiverr, but it was a gentleman on Fiverr that we uh, we got to do it, and he did a fantastic job. I love it. Get his username at another another date. Sure. And actually, shout out to Fiverr again, who did our logo. Uh, And it was well received too. I think a lot of people liked the way it looked. I like the way it looks, and I think I think you and I like how it turned out. And that's kind of the most important thing. I think I you know we like it. We like it. So it represents us. All right, let's get moving on our. uh, all right, happy today. So today we're going to talk uh, really quickly about, well, not really quickly, but quickly about the uh, Raptors Warriors, the NBA Finals, uh, the Stanley Cup Finals have started, and uh, you want to talk a little bit about uh, the NFL and had some questions for me that uh, we'll discuss. I got a, I got a dozen questions that I need to, uh, I need to get off my chest, and I need your <laughs> professional football opinion on it. But uh, so why don't we start off, Brock, by. Uh, talk well we'll talk about the raptors and warriors uh they start their series tomorrow and um it's going to be it's going to be epic in toronto epic places packed you know the uh i saw a pair of tickets went for fifty six thousand dollars yesterday uh courtside seats so uh you know i think inside the building it's going to be epic but the most people can't afford to go watch the game. So it's going to be a party uh, all over Ontario. Uh, there was a report in the news this morning that all these local townships are having their own Jurassic park. Uh, they're, they're creating the areas within their, their own city halls, uh, which I think is really neat. So, you know, I wish I, maybe Ottawa can do that. Maybe we can get something going. It might not, we might be too late for tomorrow or maybe something's already happening. I don't know, but wouldn't it be cool to get something in Ottawa locally uh, get a group of people together and and create our own jurassic park and you know watch the game on a big screen somewhere i'd be pretty cool so oh 100 uh, i don't there's got to be something going on i mean canada is behind the raptors 100 if ottawa could have a, a red mile when the flames are in the stanley cup finals we can do a a raptors one that's my philosophy and you know what I couldn't believe this. I read uh, there was a poll yesterday on, and I don't want to get plugged CTV, but they, were, they did a CTV did a poll on, uh, are, what are you more interested in, the Stanley Cup Finals or the Raptors Warriors? And you know there were there were their fair share of like neither, um, hockey, but it's boring. Uh, I, there was maybe one Raptor guy, so I piped in as I usually do. And I and I wrote like, guys, this is a this, this is a, a basketball team representing an entire country. How is uh, like it's not even even if you're not even a basketball fan, you've got a team representing a country 
in the finals for the first time in their existence, 24 years. It's, it was a no-brainer. I couldn't believe the uh, the comments, and maybe some of them were very ignorant too. Like, you know, it's not it's not a fun sport to watch or whatever. You know, give it a try first of all. Um, it's also a great sport to put your kids in because it's super cheap. It might be the cheapest sport to put your kids in. So, mm-hmm. what the Raptors are doing for the country, let alone you know from the, for grassroots in terms of basketball. I mean, it's going to have an impact for the for the next decade just by them making the finals and getting all this exposure. So, um, I, I've gotten off topic in terms of in terms of analyzing the Warriors and Raptors, but that's my feel on it. And what do you think? Like, what's was your was your comment put on air? Because for those who don't know, Pierre loves to write into CTV and try and get his comments on air, and has been on air a couple times. Um, with some fairly clever responses to uh, certain things and around Easter and whatnot. Uh, so uh, was your a comment put on air or no? No, it wasn't. Okay. And I think I think also too, uh, I think they're they're aware of how many times they put a person on air. like like they wouldn't want to repeat my whatever right. Uh, my Pierre Cariotti that would be like playing favoritism every time I'd pipe in, they would put me on air. I, I don't know. I've been on three times in a year, so. Uh, I think I'm pretty clever sometimes, so I'm glad that they did use some of my comments. But this particular one, they didn't. Uh, I, they also don't always go to air with their polls. Like they'll just sort of let it happen and uh, and say, you know, they'll air the results. Like 56% said this, 26% said that, but yeah, they yeah. don't often comment on what people wrote. So, right. which is which is fine, you know. So anyway, off of that. Uh, so yeah, one, I want to give a huge shout out to the city of Toronto. Uh, game six was amazing in terms of the on-court action, but what really gives you chills is that the atmosphere in the arena, but then when you look out and you see that Jurassic Park style outdoor party, and then the camera pans out and that Jurassic Park outdoor party is such a small segment. You look at the rest of the street behind them and it's jam packed with people for as far as you can see. Two kilometers. And uh, the, who was it? I don't know who reported it, but apparently, according to the Toronto police, there were no arrests after game six uh, when the Raptors won and everybody was celebrating, which goes, I mean, kudos to, to the city of Toronto. Kudos to all the fans. You're doing it right. That's how you're supposed to celebrate, not like Vancouver back in uh, whatever that was, 2010 or something like that. Um, but that's how you're supposed to act. And, you know, shout out to, to all the fans uh, who were in Toronto for that game six. Um, you know, that's that's how you do it. And you, you made us uh, as a country look really good. Well, well said, you know, it, and I it's we touch upon cultures, right? Like the culture of hockey versus the culture of basketball. You know, that translates into the crowds as well. Like, you know, there's there's a culture behind basketball and I, I I don't think rowdiness and roughhousing has ever been part of the culture. Uh, am I saying that's part of the culture in hockey? Well, it'd be hard to debate against that. Like, you know, hockey is a physical sport. It's predicated on physicality. We love to see the checks. We love to see the hits. So I find the crowds that follow hockey probably are a little bit more, you know, rowdy in these instances. So you're absolutely right, man. Like, they represented Canada really well. And I, I loved seeing the fact that it's such a young crowd on the streets too. 
they were young kids celebrating. I mean, yeah. I think I saw one guy on a on a on a lamp pole or whatever. He was on the top of the but I mean he again, no no arrests, and it was an amazing celebration. And we got good publicity, good coverage all across the United States. You know, Charles Barkley commended the city. Uh Shaquille O'Neal commended the city. All the guys from ESPN uh, and TNT, Ernie Johnson, um, you know, all those guys were just like the city of Toronto is just so classy, and how they how they conducted themselves was just top notch. And it's it's a it's a it's a class organization from top to bottom, starting with Masai Ujiri. So, uh, what you've made an excellent point, Brock, and uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty proud of the Raptors and uh, how they no certainly the fans. So, well. Um... You know, you brought up a good point or an interesting point, I guess, in terms of hockey fans and, and the, the game and, and the desire to see physical contact and maybe that spoil, spilling over into uh, crowd activities. Um, I'm not sure if that's a, um, a proven fact, considering soccer is not uh, physical whatsoever <laughs> and full of flops, yet the hooligans at soccer games are notoriously the worst. Um, but that's a different segment altogether. Um, Absolutely. You did talk about everybody who loves Toronto. Stephen A. Smith did go on a rant this week about uh, not wanting to come to Toronto, so I'm super happy he's got to come back. And it's got nothing to do with the city, but he had a rant on, uh, I guess, being pulled aside into uh, uh, customs and having to wait there about 90 minutes or something like that to go through his stuff, and he didn't have access. Anyway, yada, yada. Had nothing to do with the city of Toronto. Um, but I'm glad he's got to figure out his uh, his travel plans and, and come across the border for uh, for the finals. Hopefully more than twice. Ho- definitely, hopefully more than twice. Or unless the Raptors want to sweep, that's fine too. But uh, the odds of that are slim. Um, on that, uh, there's Clay Thompson had talked early in the season and was asked about his thoughts on the Raptors. And uh, he had some very complimentary things to say at that point. Uh, you know, he basically predicted uh, a final between the Warriors and the Raptors that that wouldn't be a surprise to him. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to hear to hear it or not, or what your thoughts are on on uh, his take. But uh, I thought it was, uh, I don't know, I thought it was a good sign that uh, you know they respected. But uh, it's you know going to be quite the feat for uh, for the Raptors moving forward. Oh, no doubt about it. I I did hear Clay Thompson's uh, uh you know early uh, early prediction, very respectful. Uh, it, it was I, I wouldn't say it was an easy prediction. You know the the Not East at that was point, no. You know it's for him to say that the East is pretty wide open though. Uh, and the Raptors took advantage of a, of a weaker Eastern Conference this year, clearly with LeBron James leaving the conference, but. Uh, complimentary of him i think you know he respects Kawhi leonard the spurs were up 26 in a playoff game against the warriors when uh, zaja pachulia undercut leonard and he sprained his ankle uh had they have won that game i think they would have won the series so you know they respect the heck out of Kawhi leonard they've had to deal with him for however long he was in san antonio for uh, five six seasons so he knows what to expect and he knows that Kawhi could take over a game so uh when I'm looking at these two these two franchises, one is well just has no experience at this level, and except for Kawhi Leonard, Gasol's made the conference finals a couple of times with the Grizzlies, but 
he's never made a finals. And then you've got another team who has, this is their fifth championship in a row. Uh, champion, well, at least um, appearance in the finals in a row. Right. So that's going to play a huge factor, I think, in, uh, you know, nerves, especially for the first couple of games. This 2-3-2 format for the finals, I find is uh, a negative for the home team. Because if you lose one of your first two games at home, and for a Raptors squad that, like I just said, doesn't have the experience and nerves, they could they could easily drop game one just on nerves alone. Hold on a second. If it's 2-3-2 two, two in the finals? It's 2-3-2 two, two in the finals, yeah. Is that something you, that if, happens no matter what, or is it because it's in Toronto? No, it happens no matter what. You, you can you fire? Do you have a second to fire off and double check that fact? But I'm sure, I'm sure it is. Um, it's two three. It's always been like that in the finals. Two three two. Uh, I I don't like it. I why why deviate from the the, the two two one one one? I don't understand why they do that. But it's no, it's, it's two uh, three two. It's uh, two two one one one. Game so, one and so they two are in back. Toronto. Game three and four are in Golden State, and then game five is back in Toronto. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's new. That, that is, that is with either within this year or last year. Okay, good. That's, that's fantastic. Good. That, that bodes well for Toronto. It used to be two, three, two. Yeah. No, and I remember the, it being two, three, two back in the day and thinking it was the dumbest thing. Um, I get travel and costs and whatnot, but um, no, from a, from an athletic standpoint, an athlete standpoint, you see, you know, if you lose one at home, like there's very little chance of bouncing back when you have to go on the road for three in a row. That's a right, exactly. And the... even even if you bring it back home for game six and game seven, you know you're likely down three two. So the pressure's on you to win. You know the next game. It's it was it was an odd format. I'm glad they switched. I'm glad I double checked that because otherwise we would have uh, we would have been completely wrong and gone on a tangent. But. That that's that bodes well for for the Raptors who do have home court. I think that surprised a lot of people. They had a better record than the Warriors this year, so they're they're going to deal with home court advantage. And I I really think that these teams have probably the biggest home court advantage in the NBA. The two of the loudest buildings. This is the last season for uh, uh, the Warriors in Oracle. They're moving to a new building. That building is loud and it's nuts. And they are like. They are Toronto West, basically. Like it's it's going to be crazy. So home court advantage is going to be huge in this series. Toronto cannot cannot lose game one. If they lose game one, I, I'm you know it, all it's all bets are off for Toronto fans. So t- game one is vital. If they lose game two, that's that's fine. You're going to expect the Warriors to come out hard for game two, but game one will set the tone, and they can't lose game one, and they certainly can't get blown out. That's for sure. And you, are you saying that in terms of a mental state of a team that doesn't have a lot of experience? Absolutely. I think what I happened agree. with, you know, what happened with the, the Cleveland a couple of years ago when they were playing them, when they got swept by four, the first game they got blown out. And uh, you could just, the rest of the series, they just, they never felt that they could compete. So, you know, they're playing the world champs now with some of the best players in the NBA all in one team. You know, if you feel like you can't compete right from game one, you're going to be you're going to mentally check out and you're just going to feel like, well, we're, we're just going to go through the motions. So, you know, that's what happened with them against the Cavaliers. I think it was the year. I can't remember the year they got swept. It might have been last year well, or the year I before. Think it was they, last year and last year was the one where uh, Cleveland had game one on the road. And then uh, what's his face? Smith 
got the rebound and like dribbled out and didn't go up for the shot. To, oh yeah, that was against the Warriors. Against the Warriors, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, you know they they lost that one. The next game, I think they got smoked, and then they went home and just kind of folded. But I think it was last year they got uh, they got swept. So I was uh, what I was referring to was the 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 series against the Raptors when with LeBron oh. James, and the Raptors lost Game One by a lot, and they just it, you could just tell Game Two they just felt like they couldn't compete. Now they didn't have Kawhi, they had a De- Demar Derozan who. I think was just out outplayed by their two guard. So, you know, I don't think I don't see Kawhi getting outplayed by anybody. He just keeps he he just stays in attack mode, and you just you'll never get outplayed by anybody if you're constantly on the attack. You're either going to get to the foul line, or you're going to frustrate the hell out of them, and you're going to make them work on defense. So that's why he is. That's why I think he's the best player in the NBA, and that's why they have a chance because I think that they have the best player in this series. Now, there's a huge asterisk beside that because if Kevin Durant is playing, he's the best player in the NBA as far as I'm concerned. Nobody at 6'10 can do what he does. You know, Giannis can only hope that he can do what Durant does. Durant can shoot the three as as well as Steph Curry can shoot the three. And he's 6'10 and he dribbles and he dunks and he runs the floor and he does play a little D. Like he's, yeah, he's slender, but he plays D. So if Durant is back, I don't think he's he's been ruled out for game one. But if he he's comes back at some one, point this year, he he's out for game one, eh? But he traveled, so. <laughs> okay. So I, I, they listed uh, DeMarcus Cousins as doubtful, so I, I doubt he's going to play. Um, but if we want to look at, if we want to analyze the starting fives of each two, I'll, I'm going to fire off, just a quick fire with you, and you just, who do you think is better? And I'm gonna I'll give you my analysis after. So okay. we're looking to starting five. It's Andrew Bogut versus Marc Gasol. I'll take Gasol. I'll take Gasol too, only because not because Bogut isn't talented, but Bogut's older. He doesn't play a lot, and it's actually Kevin Looney, the backup center, who get, who ends up playing the, the the better part of the minutes. But uh, Bogut gets things going because he's not a he doesn't need the ball. He's a distributor first. So I, I like that matchup there. Andre Iguodala and Danny Green. Uh, Iguodala. At this point, uh, Danny Green, you know, they've had a few interviews with him. They've talked to him. They've asked him about it. Uh, I, you know, he's going to keep shooting it at some point. It's got to click. He cannot keep going at this pace. He's just too good as a natural shooter to do that. And I mean, man, he watches shots and he's just missing by quarter of an inch where it would go in as opposed to being bouncing out. Like it's so close. So as long as he keeps throwing it up there and, and maybe he hits one or two early, then I think it, yeah. it changes that. But uh, at this point, Iguodala would have my, uh, my take on that one. Just, or just a, as a defensive player, uh, defensive. He's very physical. Uh, he transitions extremely well. Um, yeah. I think he just, he brings a lot. So interesting. I'm uh, a fan of, uh, is that your phone? Uh, that was my phone. All right. I don't know how to turn it off where it doesn't ring through my uh, my computer. So for those listening, I'm FaceTiming uh, Pierre right now through the uh, the, the iMac, and uh, my phone's hooked up to it. So when I get a ring, it goes through there. So if any listeners know how to turn that off so I can do that while I'm recording, that would be fantastic. I thought we were getting a phone call. I'm like, hey, we got our first caller. No? I'll just, just answer way. them from now on and be like, hey, welcome okay. to Unsportsman <laughs> Convo. What's your take on the Raps and Warriors? Sure, I'm calling for lawn care. Anyway, okay. 
I do. I like Iguodala's game. He's a he's a veteran. Uh, like he's been around forever. He played with Iverson for crying out loud, and Philly. That's how long he's been around. Really. So eh? I, he was the AI 2.0 back in the day, which is I mean, he was just a freak athlete. He's really developed a, a three point shot in, in his older uh, older years, but. No, his game he's is got uh, his game in Golden State. He's got him. Everybody's got to be able to shoot a three in Golden State. Oh yeah, well, I mean, in the it's just, in today's NBA, you got to be able to shoot a three, whether you're six ten or five ten. Like it's it's wild. But uh, I like Iguodala here. I'm I'm I do think Danny Green uh, brings them the the experience because he has played Golden State, you know, numerous times over the course of his career, playing in the West. Mm-hmm. Is is he in a shooting slump? Well. He certainly was last series. I mean, he was atrocious, uh, and yeah, like you said, he was missing. He wasn't missing by much, but he was missing. And these guys, man, these guys take two thousand shots a day. Like they, it's what they do for a living. He gets in the gym, and it's all repetition. It's you know, it's constant form and repetition. And I don't think a guy like Danny Green will stay in a slump for very long. And I don't think he's gonna he's gonna stay in a slump for this series. I think he knows how to get open. And he's going to hit some shots. So, you know, we could bank on Danny Green to give 10 to 12 points, which is really important from that, from that small forward position. So, anyway, moving forward, the next, uh, the next matchup is, is um, going to be one that you might find interesting. Uh, Pascal Siakam and Draymond Green. Um, you will, I know you hate Draymond. I do hate Draymond. Uh, I do know what adds to the hate is that he's – Actually, not bad. Um, and I think without Durant, he's been playing even better. Oh. Um, his give and goes and pick and rolls and what was Steph are uh, are quite good and going to be extremely hard to defend. Um, but I'm taking Siakam because I cannot physically say Draymond Green's name in a positive way. Light, so that's on me. I may be wrong, but I'm taking Siakam. So I I don't think these two will play head to head. Uh, I don't. I mean, if they do, the matchup favors Siakam in terms of speed and running up the floor. But Draymond Green, man, he's like you like you nailed it. Since uh, Durant's been out, he's elevated his game to a whole other level. Uh, he could always shoot the three. He's not a he's not a huge three point shooter. Like he'll he'll take it if he if they leave him wide open. But he facilitates so well from that from that spot, and he finishes at the rim with both hands. So he is a guy that uh, is just a really 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 smart high IQ basketball player. So I gotta give the edge to to Green if if they do end up being um, matched up against each other. He like- just brings a yeah. little more to the table. I want to see Ibaka go up against Green and just get like that nasty like what's uh, Brooks Lopez's brother's name there the Robin Lopez Bob or whatever what's his Robin name? Robin they, he's got history with that with him eh there was like a big scrap with the Bulls and uh, OKC back in the day whatever I want him to bring that nastiness uh, to Green and get under his skin I think Green's one of those guys that that you can get under his skin and if you take the focus from the game to him hating you and wanting to get back at you. I feel mm-hmm. like that takes, we'll take him out of the game a little bit. Like I'd like to see Abaka do a little Marshawn. Yeah. I, you know, Draymond, they, they may not be on the floor at the same time unless Gasol gets yanked early. So 
Like that's, you know, that's where yeah. they, that's where the matchups come into play. He's, you know, Ibaka doesn't start as, as you know. So, uh, you know, I, I, I've, I worry about that because Tristan Thompson played that role last year with the, with the Cavaliers when they swept the, the Raptors. He agitated the hell out of Valanchunas and Ibaka and uh, Lucas Noguera, who was the backup center last year. And that was Tristan Thompson. So his, on his agitator level is like a I don't know a six on ten. Draymond Green's a ten on ten. Oh yeah. So if Draymond can get under under the skin of Ibaka and and you know he's going to try, and, and or Gasol, that's big trouble for the Raptors. So because that's what he does best. And when you try to get under Green's skin, you're playing sort of playing into his game. So he's a real. He knows exactly what he's doing, eh? He fools everybody. He knows exactly. It's all calculated with that guy. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. You know, and, and he knows like exactly said, what he's, he's doing. He's phenomenal at it. I mean, not only can he agitate the best of the best on the court, but he can agitate people from miles away. Like, yeah, Barry. like Barry. Exactly, <laughs> thousands of miles away irritates the crap out of me. All right, moving so on. So the interesting matchups moving along, yeah, the interesting matchups uh, obviously are at guard. When we got and right. we'll just we'll just the, the obvious one is is Kyle Lowry and Steph Curry. They're going to likely be matched up against each other. Although, I could see Nick Nurse throwing Kawhi on on Curry and maybe moving Lowry over to Clay Thompson. You think so, eh? Uh, I I mean, I could see that happening on a few possessions. There's there's some there's some flexibility there. The Raptors are pretty pretty flexible when it comes to that. I'll take you know what I'll take either of those guys. Steph's going to hit his shots. Clay's going to hit his shots. That's fine. But they're going to be hitting tough shots. And either yeah. Lowry or Leonard are going to be in their face. They're going to make it tough for them. They're going to have to work to get to those open shots. And maybe fatigue plays into it at some point when they finally start, you know, by the end of the game and they're still throwing up these threes, but they're working their butts off to try and get open looks. Um, yeah. I think, you know, Lowry and Leonard are, are two of the, the best defenders in the league and, uh, yeah, mix them up however you want. I think Leonard's being longer plays better with the Thompson who's longer. Um, but I mean, uh, yeah, I'll take either one. I mean, Lowry hasn't shied away from playing guys that are bigger than him. I mean, he's down being posted up by Giannis and, uh, yep. Giannis or however you pronounce it and uh, you know doing a, a very good job so anyway it's going to be uh, I'm, I'm pumped though so between so let's let's just assume Le- uh, Leonard and Thompson are, are guarding each other who you who you taking in a one-on-one matchup there I'll take Leonard all day okay Leonard all that's fair I mean that's a, that's a fair statement I think Leonard's game is uh, a bit more versatile than Thompson although Thompson can go to the hoop he can run the floor he shoots three so that, yeah that's nothing taken player. away from Thompson that's just how good Leonard is yeah that's exactly it and it, you know Thompson's funny he's he's one of those like he's not an he's an A-lister but he's like that second tier first team all-star yeah you know I wouldn't even put him second team all-star in the league he's, he's a superstar he's going to get max money when when his time is up Unless he takes a hometown discount, which I think he will. I don't think he's going anywhere. People are talking about Lakers. and I think he's going to stay right in Golden State. He's going to stay with Curry, and they'll they'll run that ship until it until it crashes. Like they're they're young enough to still still be very very good. So anyway, I, I'm with you. I'll take Leonard in that matchup only because Leonard's a, a beast. Um, I will take when I when we talk about Lowry and Curry. Who 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 are you taking on a, in an individual one on one matchup there? 
Uh, Steph, like, yeah, he's he's magic. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so uh, I mean, yeah. He, Steph will. What I'm concerned, and I would take again. I'm with you there. I take Steph. My keys to success for the Raptors after we just went through the starting five, and you know, there's bench players that'll come on and, and play big roles too. Like we Fred we Van mentioned Lee. Ibaka, no, Fred VanVleet, Norm Powell, you know Ibaka, and then they're gonna have looks like they're gonna have OG and Ananobi back. Um, maybe not for game one, but he could be back within this series because he was given five to ten days of progress uh, um, where after seven days he could suit up. So he's been shooting, he's been running. Okay. Anyways, if he'll help, that, but that gives them nine deep and some extra size off the bench. You know, and the, you know, the Warriors bench, they're young. They got Scott Livingston, who's a veteran, but the rest of those guys are young. McKinney, and they've got some guys that come on who I've never even heard of, actually. But they all fit into the system. It's like, you know, plug and play, and away you go. So, But the keys for me are going to be rebounding, mm-hmm. offensive rebounding. I think defensive rebounding, everybody knows you have to defensive rebound. But it uh, it's going to be preventing the Warriors from getting offensive rebounds because oftentimes when you shoot a lot of threes, the rebounds are long. Oh, yeah. So – you know, you get funny bounces off threes, right? So the getting those uh, offensive rebounds uh, against a team like the Sixers, you know, their shots are mid-range. So the uh, the, the ball's going to bounce. You can predict sort of where the ball's going to bounce off the rim. When you're shooting threes from 40 feet away, you have no idea where that ball's going to bounce. So uh, securing ball, uh, sh- deep shots, you know, because Warriors are going to miss a few, <laughs> you know. And when you do, you got to capitalize yeah. and get the rebound. So that's that's going to be vital. So the Raptors defensive rebounding, offensive rebounding for them, I think uh you know that's all effort. So get to get to the hoop if you miss a shot and go follow your shot, but the the key to me is going to be getting those defensive rebounds off those long three balls. The second key for me is going to be uh guarding the pick and roll. That's how that's how Steph Curry gets most of his shots off. It's it's off one dribble off that first screen, and he and he'll get his three from there. So are they going to be able to stop that? Is Siakam, Gasol, and Ibaka going to be able to step up when their big guy sets the screen on Curry's man? So that is how Curry gets his three point shots off. So that's going to be those two are, are are my keys to success. Can they guard the pick and roll, and can they get rebounds off the off long three point misses? Well, it's going to be a very interesting series. Um, I'm again, I'm really excited as every Canadian is, except for the ones who do the CTV poll. Um, <laughs> come on, Canada, wake on, up, Canada, man. wake up, seriously, friggin' uh, Raptors. And, um, yeah, I just I hope the, the, the Raptors are aggressive and, um, you know, just ride that energy from the stadium and the crowd and, and go. And I think, uh, I mean, shoot, they beat them twice this year, right? So yeah, that you have that confidence. Say at least we went in there and beat them, and that was, I mean, Durant was healthy at that point too. And anyway, yada yada. They've had success. They've been there. It's not like they. This is a team they haven't beaten. Um, hey, it's magic. Let's just see what happens. All right. On that uh, note, we're gonna take a real quick break, and when we come back, Piers and I we're gonna talk about some NFL stuff. And Piers gonna fire some questions off at me. Right Whatever that little beat is at the end, can you just cut that and and as we return, just play that? Yeah, that might be something to do just for now, to, so that this this break makes sense. Kind of thing.
All right, and we're back. Uh, we are now going to be twitching, switching, twitching. We're going to be switching topics to the National Football League. Uh, the draft has come and went. Uh, training camps, uh, many OTAs and stuff have been started. Uh, fantasy football research has picked up. <laughs> and uh, people are starting to get interested. So Pierre has you got some questions for me. And I do have uh, some questions for you. Yeah. So let's uh, let's do this. And I have some questions that I also before I get into the questions. Uh, the Raiders signed Richie Incognito yesterday. <laughs> I saw uh, who who's retired and returned and retired and <clears> returned. <throat> who's been involved in a bullying incident with a offensive lineman in Miami. Yeah, he's uh, he was voted, I think, four, three, four years in a row, the dirtiest player in the NFL. Uh, by all accounts, I mean, aside from Jonathan Martin, <laughs> um, he's a good teammate. His, his teammates like him. He now you would know more than I would know about him, Brock. It, in terms of being an offensive lineman, an effective off- offensive lineman, is he is he good? Is he good? Enough? Is he worth the risk? Um, I don't know what they signed him for. Um, one year, one year. Do you know how much money? It was. It wasn't like it a, wasn't a boatload much. of money. You take no. that shot. That's a guy who, um, you know, may have been, uh, I don't know, blacklisted for some teams and some coaches, and they just don't want to deal with it. Um, but uh, he's a guy. He's he's pretty decent. He's very aggressive. Uh, so as an internal uh, offensive lineman, that's what you want. You want that kind of nastiness. You need to bring some of it. Um, it it's really going to be a matter of how he gels with the other guys. Um, the offensive line position is really a group position. So um, if you're not gelling five guys together, it's, uh, it's not going to work. Um, so it's going to be a matter of how he fits in and how he uh, – how he works to fit in because he's a guy who doesn't usually like to fit in. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, again, with the bullying incidents and whatnot, seems to be uh, a guy who a bit more self uh, centered, maybe. Um, again, I don't know Richie whatsoever, but those are the, the, the characteristics that kind of stand out when you're reading stories about him, when you're seeing uh, his interaction with players and whatnot. But like you said, teammates seem to like him. So if he goes in Oakland and and uh, and buys in and uh, just goes and does what he can do, I think he he could be fairly effective. So it'll be interesting. It's a it's a low risk thing for them. Uh, everything in the NFL is kind of low risk because there's no guaranteed contracts. They cut his ass tomorrow and then lose sleep over it. So um, right, you know, it's yeah. You take that shot. And, I mean, uh, he's. I was going to say uh, the there's a somebody posted a Twitter uh, the over under for the number of practices before Incognito fights Burfitt was like 0. <laughs> 0.5 or something like that. Well, unless Burfitt is blitzing, I don't hopefully they won't make contact, but uh, I I don't know, you know, a guy like that who he's he's very very effective. He's an aggressive guard, you know, he's a, he's a good run blocker. Uh He's had a, he's had a he's made a good career for himself. You know, he mm-hmm. was mired in obscurity in in Buffalo for a couple of years, and then Miami, and I think he played a, a he had a, a cup of coffee in L.A. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know what he brings to an Oakland team other than depth, 
whether they bring him in to start, I don't, I don't know. But for a team that was literally promoting a change of culture all through the draft, they went out and picked up the dirtiest player in the NFL. They signed Vontez Perfect, and they trade for Antonio Brown. So, you know, and Mike Mayock, they called them on it yesterday. And they said, you know, what, like, what, like, basically, what are you doing? And his quote, his direct quote was, we can't have a team full of Boy Scouts. So, you know, I, I don't, Mike Mayock was, <laughs> Mike Mayock's been on ES, uh, not, it was ESPN, NFL Network. I think he's done some ESPN stuff, but NFL Network. He was the, he did the call when Beast Mode would, ran that crazy run against uh, the Saints in the playoffs. Right. He was on the call for that. You know, congratulations, Mike, but that, that's idiotic. I, you know, that's an idiotic thing to say. We, we can't have a team full of Boy Scouts. This is professional football. All right. No one's a Boy Scout. <laughs> all right. These are guys, these guys are out there to win. They're out there, out there to do their job. It's right. a physical sport. Um, so what message are you sending? I have no idea. So they go ahead and draft these four guys who are supposed to be high character guys. And they bring in these idiots. And I, Vontez perfect. I watched him for eight years with the, with the Bengals as a Steeler fan. I've watched him go nuts and I've watched him cost them a, a playoff game. He literally cost yeah. them a playoff game with Pac-Man Jones. I was going to say, yeah, with Jones as well, you know, and on top of that, he's got concussion issues, which, which could lead to like, you know, unpredictable behavior and uh, the, the whole, the whole culture in L in uh, Oakland is just very bizarre. So I'm they're going to be fun to watch. I don't, I, there's one of my questions on here. I'm, I'm going to get to these right now, actually. But uh, one of my questions on here is, is basically, you know, how will the Raiders do? So let me get into this right now. I'm going to start with question one. I've got, but for those of you who are just tuning in now, or are you listening or you've gone and come back or I'm going to ask Brock 12 questions on the NFL, the random questions um, on, you know, hot topics in the NFL. And there's a lot of them. And a lot of them are quarterback based because the NFL is a quarterback league, quarterback driven league anyways. But um, there's some other interesting questions here, right? Anyway, we'll start with uh, number one. Uh, will Jameis Winston, Revive his career uh, under a notorious QB guru type coach uh, in Bruce Arians and earn himself a long-term contract. Because I think he's, I think he's at the, the final year of his rookie contract, maybe. Or I don't really know how what what he's been up to in terms of uh, contract contractual obligations. But will he earn himself a long-term contract, or is this it? Is he going to Geno Smith us? Uh, well, it's a very good question. Actually, I'm not sure what his contract status is, so I can't really talk on that. Um, basically, if anybody's going to be able to do this and work with Jameis, it's going to be Bruce, uh, currently anyway. Um, Andy Reid's got some success in that sense. Uh, McCarthy used to be the, the guy. Um, but uh, Bruce seems very high on him. Like Bruce has talked and said that he thinks that he has the skills to take him to the Super Bowl and, uh, to be the kind of quarterback he wants. Um, you know, for those who don't know Bruce's history, I mean, when I was growing up and watching the NFL drafts and and uh, all the the pre shows and whatnot, one of the biggest drafts uh, questions was the Ryan Leaf versus Peyton Manning, uh, who to take, and I always thought, you know, coming out, I hated Manning because he's a Tennessee guy and I'm a Florida fan, but. Ryan Leaf had all the intangibles, all the size, all this, I guess not intangibles, that's the wrong word. He had all the size and athleticism and gifts, um, 
But Bruce was on the Colts at that point and was very instrumental in terms of picking Manning over Leaf, which obviously, in retrospect, was by far the the best choice. Um, but I mean, Bruce has worked with these guys, so I think I th- I think he can do it. I think Jameis has a lot of the tools. Um, I think it's uh, his play calling is very aggressive. So he likes to go deep. He likes to give his quarterbacks options in terms of you know two options on every play, um, with one being a touchdown and going deep. And I think Winston likes to do that. He's got a cannon. They did lose Deshaun Jackson, so that uh, Tyreek Hill type of just take the top off the defense is gone. But Evans and Godwin are there, and they can they can do the same thing. Evans is although he's big. And he could be covered <laughs> like glue. He's still going to come down with the ball. So he's going to have that. Uh, but ultimately, for me, it comes down to the O-line protection and how the O-line sort of gives Jameis some time. Because no matter who's back there, if they can't do that, it's not going to work well. Uh, same with their run game. If the run game is effective to kind of set that up. So between, you know, does Ronald Jones take that step uh, with Peyton Barber to kind of really uh, solidify the run game is one thing. Um, and then I think... Bruce will work with him very highly to focus on taking advantage of one of their their most loaded positions on the team, in my opinion, and that's the tight end with uh, Cameron Brayton, O.J. Howard, and the Canadian uh, Anthony O'Claire. And if he can, you know, do those checkdowns, I think he'll be just fine. So uh, he's got his work cut out for him, but I'm I'm saying yes, I think Bruce can uh, can do some wonder with Jameis as terms of the contract. I don't know what his deal is at right now. Um, it's going to take more than one year for Jameis to get this huge deal, I think, unless it's coming up. But uh, uh, I think this year will be much better than it was last year. And without some Fitzpatrick breathing down his neck, I think that might bode well for him as well. So I'm saying yes. Interesting. And I, you know, I was going to just give my input, but I actually, you nailed every, every point. I was going to say there are other factors involved, uh, offensive line play like what you know you can just set set a guy out there to 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 basically to the slaughterhouse if you don't have an offensive line but bruce i'm very familiar with bruce arians as you well know because he's very close with ben roethlisberger and he was the offensive coordinator in pittsburgh during their super bowl year in 2008 and he again in 2010 when they lost and their offense is 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 it's not rocket science they ran in pittsburgh we ran with run one running back two tight ends, two wide receivers, or a, a fully, like just a four wide receiver set with with uh, one running back. So uh, if anybody can do it, it's going to be Bruce for sure. And he's a quarterback guru. And he, he made Ben Roethlisberger, well, he almost killed him, but he made him into a really, really high-level quarterback. Um, Protection is going to be huge. Tight end play is huge. Heath Miller, I mean, Heath Miller was one of the top tight ends in the league under Bruce Arians' offense. So should be exciting. So good answer. So Brock's uh, the final analysis is Winston will have a comeback here under Bruce Arians. And I like that. Hmm. Number two, Brock, this one, I, I can't remember. Do you root for the Bills? Do you have a team that you root for? It's Bills, eh? Uh, it used to be the Bills until they played okay. Rob Johnson over Doug Flutie in the Music City Miracle Bowl. I went through four Super Bowl losses and stuff. Fine. No problem. No yeah. problem. But uh, put that headband San Francisco quarterback guy instead of Flutie in the playoffs after one meaningless game um you lost me so so bad since then it's been uh, 
I've been kind of neutral, uh, following guys I knew, uh, players I watched in college. Um, so I was a Green Bay fan for a bit and Lions fan for a bit as TJ was playing. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I follow the, the Gators as they move up and that kind of stuff. But uh, I have a soft spot for Buffalo, but, uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't uh, – I'm not going to be wearing a Bills gear all around or anything like that. Okay, so there's no – I mean, I'm just – I was only asking only because of the bias, potential bias this next question. Uh, which QB in the AFC East will be better in year two? Sam Darno with the Jets under a new coach, Adam Gase. Um, Rosen with the Dolphins. Josh Rosen, I believe his name is, um, with his new team. And he has a chance to start. It's not a Fitzy, main, you know, Fitzy, they signed uh, Fitzpatrick to some good money, but, you know, they brought in Rosen for to give him an opportunity to start. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll start. Maybe he'll play behind Fitzy for a year. Or Josh Allen with the Bills. Which one of those three guys will have a, be- a better season? Um, all right. Well, uh, I guess, you know, the term better is uh, a bit subjective. Um, I think Darnold will have less pressure to win games this season um, and more focus on kind of like just don't lose us the game with this whole Le'Veon Bell experience and uh, some guys they picked up. So I think it should be a little bit easier for him. Um, Rosen is probably at least my feeling is Miami seems to be the place that quarterbacks go to kind of fade away. And I feel (laughs) like that's kind of along the same lines, whether he's the guy that's fading away or Fitzpatrick is initially, um, that's to be determined, but I don't, there's nothing that excites me about Miami. Um, and Allen for me is probably the most intriguing, um, He's definitely the most athletically gifted quarterback out of the three. Um, but it's going to come down to his offseason work. Is he putting the, the time in so that he can um, get the timing down with his receivers, that he can start trusting his receivers to be where they got to be? Does, can he make those reads that typically a an athletic quarterback who can use his feet to get out of, out of trouble, can he – make the reads fast enough in the NFL to make those throws versus just relying on his feet all the time. And I think that's going to be the, the biggest question mark. Uh, but for me, I'll take Allen in this sense, um, just because I'm, I'm more intrigued to see what happens with him. And I think his upside is way higher than the other two. You know, and that's a, uh, that would be my pick as well. And I, I say this only because... Uh, not because I'm anti Le'Veon Bell, uh, you know he's a, uh, he's a great player. How Adam Gase uses him is remains to be seen. You know, there's some there were reports out of New York saying that Gase didn't want to sign him for that amount of money. It was the uh, outgoing GM, so there's issues there. There might be some internal issues. Uh, Bell hasn't shown up for OTAs. Is that a big deal? Usually, veterans not that big a deal. But I mean, really, what kind of what kind of message are you sending? Right. Yeah, so it's just little things like that in New York. I think it's going to implode and it's going to uh, impact this a young quarterback. So again, now you got a new a guy with a new system coming in again. So uh, and then you know Miami. I don't even it's not even worth my breath. Right. I the only no, no. thing I'm excited about in Miami is when they wear the retros twice a year. Um, <laughs> that's pr- that's pretty much it for me when it comes to Miami. I don't even know who they're. I I, I couldn't even name your receiver. Is it Kenny Stills still on that team? Kenny. Anyway, Still, uh, yeah, Parker. Anyway. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. They're shit. 
Uh, and Allen for the Bills, I really like. And I like where the Bills went. I think the Bills had one of the better drafts in the uh, this year. Uh, and I just I just like where they're going. And I love their young coach. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of Buffalo. Uh, they play Pittsburgh this year, by the way, which might be a, a good roadie. Ooh, I'm so in. I'm with you there, Brock. I'm with you on that. Josh Allen's going to have the best year of those three only because it, he the familiarity with the system. You know, it's just, and you know, these other two teams, they're a fucking hot mess. They've changed their coordinators and it's just, you just, you can't develop continuity if you keep changing coaches and coordinators over here. So, okay. Number three, my man. I think the understatement quote of this episode is I think the Jets might have some internal problems. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a whole other episode. You fire your yeah. GM two weeks after you actually let him draft. There's some yeah. internal issues. Anyway, move hey, on. Listen. Question three. Moving on, but, but one more thing about question two. The best thing about the Jets, they're wearing Kelly Green, baby. Woo! <laughs> All right. Number three, will Patrick Mahomes have better numbers this year without Tyreek Hill and Kareem Hunt? We all know last year he went off the charts as a passer. Right. But he also had like a guy, like you said, that can take the top off the defense. And Kareem Hunt, who... Uh, you know, NFL's biggest jerk award uh, is no longer there and will be end up in Cleveland after his 10 game suspension or I think 10 or eight or 10 games, whatever he got. So they've lost that. I think what you and I have already discussed, you know, the replacing of Kareem Hunt and the guy, this guy Williams came in and you can kind of plug and play guys. So, but losing Tyreek Hill, if they lose him for any amount of time and they're still investigating what what's going on and some of the audio has already come out, like, I do not see how they can replace him. But anyway, I want to know your thoughts. Will Patrick Mahomes have better numbers this year without those two guys? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, you know, like we said, Hill is such a deep threat. I think uh, when I checked it out, his average was like 17 yards a catch. And that's not, you know, three or four catches. That's 87 for about 1,500 yards. So he's downfield wow. and he takes, you know, he runs the ball. He takes a little dump off passes and stuff. So when you think of that ratio, 17 yards is a lot, but it's not even close to what his real impact is. Um, I think KC, their offense is still going to be very potent. Their running game is very good. Their offensive line is very good. Um, they have the best tight end in the league. Uh, they'll move the ball, but it'll be spread out a little bit more. Um, Hill was always Mahomes' like safety net. So if he does tries to make a read, doesn't see anything, his options were either run the ball, which he can do, or he's got the strongest arm I've ever seen. I'm just going to throw it so damn far that only Hill can get it. And that worked out numerous times last year. Um, that's not good. That option's not going to be there. So I think maybe we'll see Mahomes run a little bit more. Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, his numbers won't be the same as they were last year because Hill was a big pa- part of the last-minute ditch effort, throw it deep, and, and he would make those grabs. This year, they'll move it, but it'll be a bit more methodical. Yeah. Excuse yeah. me. Bless me. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Folks, that was a real sneeze, by the way. That wasn't, that wasn't staged. Yeah, I'm with you there. I can't add any, anything more to that. That's uh, I, you know, Tyreek Hill was his safety net. Uh, they'll they'll run the ball still. They'll run the ball well. They have a good offensive line in Kansas City, but uh, and I don't, who, who runs the ball remains to be seen. There are there were reports out of New York 
last last week about the Jets entertaining the idea of trading Le'Veon Bell uh, because he, he didn't get a boatload of money. In fact, he because of his idiotic holdout, he ended up getting less money than what Pittsburgh originally offered him. But that's a whole other story. Hmm. If Adam Gase legitimately doesn't want this guy or feels like they overspent on him and CJ Mosley, uh, you know, they could entertain the idea of a trade after maybe after a couple of weeks of training camp and teams are realizing what, you know, we're sure be nice to have Le'Veon Bell catch 60 balls out of the backfield or whatever that could happen. And the jets could, you know, could score a high draft pick in, in exchange for him. So, you know, is seems KC like a good fit one for of the these Chiefs. Rumors or what? K- Casey was one of the teams, but uh, you know he'd be a good fit there. I think you know a big running back going on the offensive line and a uh, good offensive line, and you know a guy like you said, you know Tyree Kill ran all these gadget plays with Kansas City, like the the little uh, you know the, the the shuffle passes and whatnot yeah. that he ran. <clears throat> you know I could see Bell doing that kind of thing. He doesn't have that kind of speed, but he's got good hands and he's got good football sense. So you know I. Who knows? I, I don't see that happening this year. I think they're going to, the Jets need that star power. The, the fans are clamoring for it. They've had oh, fuck all the last, you know, they've had terrible players the last couple of years. I mean, I couldn't even name you a Jets receiver last year. Richie Anderson. Uh, is it Richie Anderson? Yeah. I had him a couple of times in my uh, fantasy, picked him up, did well, but uh, it, that was did it. well, but I mean, star power. No, there's nobody to draw people to the stadium. Le'Veon is that. Right. And so as much as Gase may or may not want him there, um, you know, again, before I'm not getting way off topic, but one thing is Le'Veon's been out for a year. Le'Veon not going to OTAs or any of that kind of stuff is showing what kind of person Le'Veon is and, and what his give a shit level is. And it's still very low. And if I'm a Jets fan, that's warning sign number one, that this isn't going to be all, all, uh, roses or whatever you want to call it. Um, so I'm curious to see where. What happens with that? But uh, anyway, moving on. It's uh, moving on. It's yeah. And whatever. Yeah, we've talked. We've talked enough about Le'Veon and Antonio Brown for one one fucking we've lifetime. Talked more than he's practiced. Anyway, go. Oh. Number four. Will the Ravens' new passing offense hurt Lamar Jackson? They installed a new offense this week. Lamar Jackson came out in, to the media and said, "Wow, I didn't realize we were going to be changing everything." And uh, that was not a compliment when he said that. So there's concerns that they've, they've brought in a new offensive coordinator. They want to they wanna get Lamar throwing the ball a little bit more, even though their offense, you know, they were five and five after they made the switch from Flacco to Lamar Jackson. Mm. And then they ran that offense that, like you and I were talking about, Brock, that looked a lot like Tim Tebow's offense with, uh, with Denver. Mm-hmm where they just ran, they committed to running the ball. And their passing game was, you know, five-yard hooks, five-yard flats, seven-yard hooks. Like, it wasn't anything complicated. And it worked. Like, they made it the playoffs with, I mean, really not a whole ton of talent on the outside or running back. Now they've gone gone ahead. They brought in Mark Ingram. They, I think they drafted a running back as well. Uh, but they also drafted a couple of wide receivers, and now they're switching their offense to a bit more of a, you know, like three wide receiver set. So, what's what's going to happen? Is this going to hurt Lamar Jackson? Uh, well, uh, I think the new passing game might hurt 
the offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, more than Jackson. <laughs> um, you know, Roman comes from kind of that West Coast offense. He had some success, you know, in uh, San Francisco when he was there. I'm like, but his teams had, uh, you know, Kaepernick, who was a pretty decent quarterback, all things considered. But he was throwing to got Randy Moss. He had Frank Gore. He had Delaney Walker, Vernon Davis, Crabtree. Uh, I think Mario Manningham was there too at that point. And that was their their run that, you know, took him to the Super Bowl against the Ravens. Uh, yeah. But they had some pretty good playmakers there. Uh, I don't think the Ravens have that type of roster at this point. Um, you know, they added Ingram. That's great. Gus Edwards is the other running back there. Uh, Michael Floyd is a pretty decent receiver. But, you know, Sneed. They got Joe Horn Jr., Joe Horn Jr. Joe Horn. For those cell who don't remember, Joe? cell phone Joe. That's right. Wow. The Saints Pro Bowl wide receiver who had the cell phone celebration. Uh, that's his kid. Um, so I don't know. Young their own line is their own line is pretty good. I like their own line. Very good. Very um, good and mean. Yeah, but uh, I think for me anyway, any offensive coordinator that doesn't adjust their style. To their personnel is kind of fighting an uphill battle. So, you know, like the Tebow thing, it's, you know, don't, don't try and make him something he's not. Cater to the strengths, and that's how you'll kind of be successful. And there's a lot of guys that don't do that. And I get the NFL has certain, you know, the old boys club, and they have certain mentalities. Ultimately, when you go back into the record books, you know, you say, hey, Baltimore was uh, 14 and 3. Okay, well, what was their offense like? What was their off? Who cares? They were 14 and three. That's what you see. You don't see all this stuff. So, winning games is the priority. That's what keeps jobs. I don't think it's doing a Jackson a service by switching that all up. I get maybe let's expand on what we've been doing. Let's have a three, you know, you want to have a trip set? That's fine. Have a trip set, another look, but don't change everything. You got to keep stuff. You got to build on it. He had success. Build on that and say, now we're going to start putting a few other things in just to confuse the defense more, just to make sure they're honest so they're not always looking for the run. But don't change everything. And I think, no, that's going to, it's going to hurt Roman. It's going to hurt Jackson. Um, and ultimately, it's going to uh, hurt the Ravens, I think. So, uh, yeah, I don't really agree with that. Uh, so I'm with you there on all, on all fronts. I think, you know, you got to cater to your system. Like you, you, you want to draft Dan, Mar Dan Marino, draft Dan Marino, but you're not going to find Dan Marino everywhere. Like, you don't, the, these uh, drop back quarterbacks who sit and read and, and have the quickest release. They're not, they're not there. Not everybody, not every team has them. So you got to work to your strength. I, I, you think of the 2002 Buccaneers. I, I don't think about a prolific passer on their team. I think about their best defense. Brad Johnson has one more Super Bowl ring than, you know, 80% of the quarterbacks, in the NFL, Brad, who, Right. You know, but they catered the offense to him. Uh, you know, Trent Dilfer, Baltimore Ravens, 2000, 2000, I believe. Trent Dilfer has a Super Bowl ring. They catered the offense to him. You know, you think about the Ravens, they were mainly defense, but you had to score some points. You know, they had to put up some points to win those games. So they catered the offense to what they had. So to do this to a young quarterback, to have a whole new system at, in year two, it just doesn't make a whole ton of sense to me, especially when they had a lot of success year one, like a lot of success. No one saw Lamar Jackson play that well. 
and no. he's he's fast. He's athletic. He, you know, the the uh, the read option. He looked like he was like he was a real stud. So anyway, I'm with you there, buddy. Good answer. Number five. This we'll keep number five short and sweet here. Yeah. Will Daniel Jones replace Eli this season? Um, no. during the season. Uh, I say no. Uh, I mean that's injuries aside. Um, which could very well happen because the Giants' O-line was very, very bad last year. Uh, so unless they fix that, there's a good likelihood that Eli's just going to be worn out and he's going to have to switch up. But uh, that'll happen when they're in meaningless games anyway and they'll be already out of the playoffs. Uh, Eli is still one of the top guys in terms of quarterbacks you want at the helm. Uh, you know, it's about smarts it's about making those reads it's about reading defenses and Eli is still up there in terms of guys you want to be uh running your offense he's not a guy I'm going to draft in fantasy but in reality he's a guy I would put out there so I think that they'd be smart to do uh you know kind of the Packers did like it Rodgers was behind fire for numerous years learning sit him have him learn from Eli and then when he comes in he should be in a better spot but if you throw him out there you're you're wasting him yeah, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. I think Eli is uh, still a very viable quarterback. He's relatively healthy. And, uh, you know, he's he's a guy you want leading your team. He's he's unflappable. And New York's a hard market to quarterback in, and he's taken a beating the last couple of years. But, you know, he has two Super Bowl rings, and he hasn't had a shit ton of talent aside from Odell Beckham Jr., who's a loose cannon at some point, sometimes. So it's been difficult to work with him. So, hey, listen, I – you know, I don't see Daniel Jones seeing the seeing the field this year either. So, all right, number six. This is a another basic one. Who has the uh, best offensive line in the NFL? This is a basic one. I mean, we can analyze right. individual players, but as in a terms unit, of, in terms of uh, keeping time in mind, obviously, I can go into a lot more detail for this one. Of, um, of course, but uh, so these are my. Would you say top five? No, who, who has the best offensive line in the, in the NFL? Who has the best offensive line? Okay. Yeah. Um, then I'm going to go uh, the Rams, Browns, Colts, Steelers, and... Thank you. Uh, I'll probably put the... Well, whatever. I'll leave those. And that's in no particular order. Um, the Steelers are probably higher than, you know, again... They're they're probably top one or two, uh, and that's just straight on cohesiveness, um, and the guys that are playing, and the the importance of having a, a unit that can play together and have played together for so long, um, you know, it's a testimony to to the coaching staff and to the GM for keeping everybody together. But Le'Veon Bell leaving and having Connor show up and and basically not miss a beat is. You know, a Connor. Okay, great. You're an, you're an athlete. That's fine. But that's a testament to the offensive line. Um, you know, the Browns have some nasty guys. The Colts. Anything. Anybody with Quentin Nelson on their line is uh, is top notch. Uh, that kid is amazing and so much fun to watch. Um, the Rams are another unit that uh, you know. Just look at the Super Bowl. The, the defense that they were throwing at them and that Belichick was uh, running, you know, different looks, different stunts, whatever. The Rams, their O-line were, the, I think, the only team that played together. The only O-line that never missed a game. Uh, so you can really see that. And they have some old vets on there. Uh, but they did everything they could in, in that Super Bowl to uh, to help the offense. So they're right up there. 
honorable mention would go to the Patriots offensive line because, you know, are they the best? Uh, their system sure caters to it. If Brady can get the ball off in two seconds, that makes your job a lot easier. So you're going to look good. Uh, but I personally like watching the Eagles with uh, Travis, uh, Travis Kelsey's brother uh, at center. And uh, the Titans, actually, because I really like uh, Taylor Lewan. He's nasty. Um, anyway, I like watching those kind of guys. But my top four would be the Browns, Rams, Colts, Steelers in no particular order. And it's, you know, it's funny. Those, all those teams have, uh, like, it's hard to, to re- remain consistent with the in this era of free agency. And, you know, guys, offensive linemen are getting decent money now as well they should. Uh, you know, in the offseason – their careers are tough. Like the, it's not an easy position to play. So, you know, you want to get your money. Uh, so to keep a unit together longer than a couple of years in the NFL is hard to do it. You just look, I look at the Bengals as the best example. Three years ago, they had the, arguably the best offensive line in football. And then they just got decimated by free agency. Like uh, the, the, the one, the one gentleman who plays for the Rams Whit, Wentworth, Whitworth. Yeah. Yep. He he's, he's older now, but, you know that was that was one of the best free agent signings I think in the NFL that last yeah, year. That was a, a great pick. Oh, he's he's mean, he's nasty, he, and he and he doesn't get hurt. Yeah. Um, so you know, the, and the the Bengals went from the best to the worst offensive line. And I don't. Andy Dalton takes a huge a lot of the blame, but he should really. I mean, what is what's he supposed to do? Like well, they, they couldn't run Wentworth. the ball. They lost uh, Zeitler was another guy I think that was from Cincinnati yeah. went to Cleveland. Like those are you take forty percent of your offensive line that are. Pro bowlers and get rid pro of bowlers. Them. Good luck. I don't care who yeah. the quarterback is. You're going to take a step back. Exactly. And I, I don't, you know, Dalton, what does he, is he, does he have a cannon for an arm? He, he's serviceable. He was, you know, he, he led uh, Cincinnati to some very, very big wins and some t- playoff teams. So uh, anyway, the importance of a offensive line. So you've already named your, your favorites. You said the Browns. Browns. Uh yeah, Browns, Colts, Steelers. I just deleted my note. I was putting it down there. Who did I forget? There was four of them. Eagles. No, Eagles and Tennessee. I like Patriots are there. Browns. Anyway, continue. Rams. Rams. Thank yes. you. Yeah, Wentworth. Okay, so, so, I guess we'll wait and see who ends up being the best out of that group, and we'll uh, we can talk maybe midseason NFL. We'll, well, now we'll, we'll let that one die. So ne- uh, next question is a kind of a simple one. Can New England overcome Gronk's retirement, especially after Ben Watson, who they signed, I guess, to replace him? I, I don't really know how they're going to use Ben Watson. He wanted to retire as well. They they uh, drew him out of retirement. Now he's suspended for four games. So, A, will uh, will they take a step back, losing uh, their best one of their best offensive weapons? Uh, and B, will Gronk stay retired, do you think? Um, all right. The Pats are going to be fine. It doesn't matter what happens. The Pats will be fine. They'll adjust. They'll sub in some other guy and make them a stud. He'll fit into their system. Uh, Gronkowski is actually much smarter than he acts. Uh, the guy saved like his complete NFL salary, I think, uh, and just lived off sponsorships for his whole career. Um, you know, he seems to be very conscious about his injuries, the long-term issues, uh, head issues, all that kind of stuff. He's loving life. He's got a few businesses on the go. He gets paid for appearances. Um, he's, he's not coming back. Like uh, he's done. He's got Super Bowls. He's got money. He's got women. He's got, you know, uh, whatever he wants. 
Okay, so he's not coming back, and the Patriots are going to be fine. You heard it here first, folks. He's not coming back, he's and as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, stay the fuck away from New England, my <laughs> man. Enjoy life. Enjoy life. Yep. All right. Number eight. That's an interesting one. I uh, I had to do some research, and you know, unfortunately, this this week uh, the NFL lost a legend, um, Super Bowl one and two mm. MVP. Um, they also won three championships prior to Super Bowl one and two, so he won five championships in a row. Two of them were the Super Bowl. Uh, Bart Starr passed away at the age of eighty-five uh, after a, I think, a fairly long battle with a pretty severe illness. Um, I watched an interview with Steve Mariucci the same day. He had just found out a few hours prior, uh, Cherry Bart, Cherry Star, who's Bart's wife, uh, called him and told him. And I don't know if, I don't know if you saw this uh, interview. No. Uh, from start to finish, Mariucci was, was in tears. He was crying throughout the whole interview. And uh, it was sad. It was raw because it was, you know, a new, new um, he had just heard. And, um, what a gentleman, man! I like I I I'm, I didn't grow up in that era, so I I didn't watch Bart Starr. I didn't really hear much from Bart Starr after his retirement. He I think he was still involved in the NFL, but he was you know a, a charitable man. But he impacted so many people. Um, you know, there was a story that came out. I think it was might have been Dan Marino had elbow surgery. And out of nowhere, Bart Starr showed up at the hotel or at the at the uh, hospital. Sorry, like st- we don't hear about these stories of these guys, these retired guys coming mm-hmm. out and supporting the the current NFL players. So uh, I'm not trying to sway your your answer here, Brock, but I just want to uh, you Star. know acknowledge Bart Starr as uh, a gentleman and a legend in the NFL. And I miss those old days, man. I watch some of these old games on NFL Network, and it's really cool to see how the game has evolved into uh, into what it is now. But, okay, the question is, who's the greatest Packer of all time? Bart Starr, Brett Favre, or Aaron Rodgers? And I know Aaron Rodgers is still playing, but, you know, he's, he's got a pretty good body of work already. So out of those three guys, who's the greatest of all time? Well, Bart Starr. Um, you know, and that was before our time and whatnot. I get it. So, uh, you know, you only hear of that, his legendary status and, and what he did. But... Um, you know, from the Super Bowl era, you know, Super Bowls one and two, like you see footage of Bart Starr and uh and what he did. So uh Bart Starr, head and shoulders, um Favre would be next, and uh Aaron Rodgers would be further down the list for me. Um, you know, Reggie White comes to mind for me. Um, but I also know um, you know, uh, Nitschke back in the day. Who was Ray Nitschke, yeah, think, great uh, line, Hall of Fame linebacker. Considered, I think he played with Bart Starr, did he not? And I think he was like the, his defensive equivalent to whatever they call it. Anyway, uh, oh no I doubt, think, yeah, your top five are you know Star, and then or at least top four, I guess, Far, Reggie White, Nitschke in that kind of range. I don't know how the two, three, four sort of fit or or what kind of order, but. Uh, I think Rodgers is, is is further on the list. He'd be – I think he, he needs to win again, I think. Um, yeah. But, uh, I mean, he's on the list somewhere. I, I just don't know where. I think, uh, I think uh, in a few years he could be – he could end up being number one, whether whether he wins or loses, just with his 
I mean, some of the stuff he's done on the field with like uh, that one year where he, I think he had two Hail Marys in a game. Like he's his ability to to uh, you know improvise, ex- extend plays and improvise, just remarkable. And he's, he's still relatively young, so we'll see how that list goes. But I, I would I would uh, also put Bart Starr. Uh, I would put Brett Favre number two as well, just because he played for the Packers for so long. Yeah, the end of his career was a bit of a shit show with the retirements and all that. But you know he was a Packer for a long, long time, and uh, uh, he was fun to watch. So well, between okay, Starr and Favre, I mean Favre really brought like the Packers back to uh, entertaining football and competitive football. Like he brought that excitement back and he brought something. Oh to, yeah. You know, I, you've never been to green Bay. I don't think, but if you ever nope. go, like there is nothing in green Bay except for that stadium. And uh, you know, those, that, that team, that town, uh, they needed somebody to bring that back. They needed a reason to go. And uh, you know, Favre really did that. So I think his impact was was pretty high too. But yeah, I'm with you there. And uh, you know, I think longevity. He played there for a long time, but also when he came in and stepped in, they like you said, they were shit. They had uh, mm-hmm. they had Don Magic Man Mikowski for a couple of years right before Favre took over. Actually, I, th- I think Don got hurt in the game and Favre replaced him. The Magic Man was. Uh, was very entertaining, but that only lasted a couple seasons. And prior to Magic, I think it was Lynn Dickey for a year. The seventies were not good to the Packers at all, so they went they went almost a decade and a half of shit football. Yeah, um, and and really no nothing other than Sterling Sharp to you know hang your hat on. So Favre came over there and really transformed that franchise into what they are. And you know it started the whole like you know they renovated Lambeau Field and. Uh, Packers were cool again, you know, and then Reggie White, God told him to go to Green Bay. Yeah, well, God, I'm sure. And the fact that the Packers were pretty good. Um, so, yeah, I, geez, now, now that I talk about it, I don't know if like, oh, I'm going to keep Bart Starr there. I'm going to keep Starr number yeah, one. Yeah, you can't not. Okay. But, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, on a side note, my only time Green at Green Bay was uh, I was four feet from uh, Brett Favre. He was in the suite next to us and, uh, it was being reti- his numbers were retired, I think, or something like that at halftime. So he was coming out, and I was there with the my phone like a big fanatic. Anyway, was that the rainy? Was it raining that oh, night, yeah. or was it, it was a chilly? Rainy night? Yeah, Bart Starr came out. And ha- yeah. Bart Starr came out. Yeah, Bart Starr was there with his golf cart. Now he wasn't in the suite, so I didn't get it like that close. I just saw him on the field. But uh, yeah, yeah, they came out in the golf cart you, and whatever. Do you know how sick he was that day? Uh, I heard it wasn't great. That's for sure. I didn't know how sick he was. Uh, so Favre knew that he was invited, but everyone said he, he can't. He's we can't we can't have we can't expect him to come. We can't have him here. He's like he's very ill. It's a cold, windy night. What are we gonna you know? And yeah. he showed up, surprised everybody, and showed up. So wow. Anyway, what? A, wow. Yeah, good. I was, just got goosebumps talking about that. And you were there. Yeah. Wow. Sitting next to uh, Clay Matthews' father. Oh, Clay Matthews Senior. That's right. Yeah, I remember that asshole. He terrorized Pittsburgh all through the '80s. That was great. Cool. You know, you're not an you're not an asshole, Clay Matthews Senior. You were you were a great player, uh, but you made my life a living in hell for a decade. So thanks. Okay, uh, on to number nine. Uh, will Ryan Tannehill supplant uh, Mariota in Tennessee as the starting QB at some point during the season? Mm, that's a tough one actually uh i'm gonna say no uh mariota 
Mariota has a history there. He's had some success. I'm like, there's some good memories for the Titans fans and some of that and some playoff pushes. Uh, yeah. And I just don't think Tannehill brings anything or any other skill sets to the table that really push him above Mariota. So I, I don't know. I don't see that happening. Interesting. I, I don't know. I haven't seen Mariota really take that next step. Uh, and he's been in the league long enough now. I, I just I haven't seen that. That the Aaron Rodgers style of like, you know, I'm going to go out and get this for the team. I just don't see it. And he had a one, he had one playoff win. I think it was against Kansas City, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, where he threw the ball, caught the yeah. ball, and got in the touchdown. That's the one. Um, but I mean, yes, I get your argument. I'm fully agree there. But by yeah. no means has Tannehill done that. And Tannehill's gone to a few different teams now, too. Like Mariota's still with the one shot that he's where he was drafted and whatever. Um, so Tannehill hasn't done anything to suggest that he has that ability either. I just don't think, I think they're basically caught with two guys that aren't quite ready or aren't able to take that next step. Okay. So you got, let's say, let's say Tennessee starts one and one and three or oh and four. Uh, you know, the, the the fans are clamoring and, and, uh, Mariota's healthy, but struggling. You make the switch. Do you stick with him? Is he still young? Sure. Make it. Then you go one and four, one and five, one and six, <laughs> yeah. like, and then you say, "Well, fuck, let's put Mariota back in." You know, like, neither okay. of those guys are gonna. Anyway, no. You're uh, really shitting on Miami, eh? I, uh, <laughs> not a big fan of Miami, are you? Well, I'm shitting on Tennessee, I guess, right now. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, Tannehill went to Miami, right? So you you got that bug of quarterbacks go to die. That's where they go to just disappear. All right, uh, moving on. We're uh, we're almost at the end of this here. Um, more likely to make the playoffs, Oakland or Detroit? Um, well, uh, I was following Detroit fairly closely for the last few years. Um, no success there. I don't see anything changing. Uh, the Raiders changed a lot. So I am, and I think their division is probably a little bit weaker. Um, so I am going with the Raiders. That's an interesting call. I, I am going to say, I think that, no, I don't think any, neither of these teams are going to make the playoffs, but if I had to choose one, I would, I would have to go with the Lions only because I think Joe Flacco makes Denver viable again. I think he's, I think he's underrated and I, you know, if he has a weapon or two, he's going to make Denver um, relevant in that division. I, I think Kansas City is just well coached. Their defense is going to be very interesting to see because they've lost everybody. And I'm curious to see how they react to that. But their offense still is potent and a good offensive line and a good defensive line could take could take you places. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, hey, and uh, L.A. Chargers, you know, with their new face mask and the powder blues this year and. Uh, they they had a great run last year, you know they they did lose Tyrell Williams, but uh, I think they're also not going to take a step back. They're going to take a step forward this year, so that's going to make it awfully tough for Oakland. And flipping yeah. over to the Lions side, you know the Packers. I, I don't know what to expect from them if they can keep if Rogers stays healthy. They're they could be twelve and four, 
I if he's not, well. they're four and twelve. They just you put know? a ton of money into the into the defense and stuff too. Anyway, I think the yeah. Packers are going to do very well. I think their running game is getting better. Their offensive line was good. I think their defense is anyway. Not to, we're not analyzing it, but I think the Packers are going to do well. Yeah, I think the Vikings will be um, a viable team still. Um, still got a great defense. They're still with top five defense, you know, yeah. in, in Minnesota. And who's the other one? The Bears. And the, the Bears, Bears, yeah, you know, and they made some moves and stuff like that. And they're anyway. I'm taking well, whatever. You got the Lions. I got Oakland. We're probably both going to be wrong. So fuck. <laughs> we're probably like I said. We're both. They're likely not that those teams is going to make the playoffs, but I, I just think that uh, the West is. Uh, I think Denver's going to surprise some teams. Anyway, uh, eleven and twelve here. Let's go. Let's do eleven first. Top five uniforms in the NFL. All right. Uh... I don't know. I don't. I don't think I'm up to speed with all the changes that are coming out. But from the current ones that we have this year, just yeah. the Jets. Just the Jets. Yeah. Okay. Well, that that wasn't going on my list anyway. Then, um, I'm going Bills, Browns, Steelers, Saints. current Browns. Uh, yeah, I've liked all the Browns uniforms. I like that. Even like the the dark brown and orange, like yeah, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, I like with it. the big browns on the chest and the browns on the pants, uh, like not, the, maybe the, not the browns the, on the, the pants. Like when it when it had the the letters there. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. no okay. Not that one. Fuck you, getting picky. No, not that. Uh, <laughs> I like the Saints uniforms, except for that gold around the collar. Lose that. Just yeah. make it flat black. Uh, but everything yes. else, I really like that. Um, I like the Lions uniforms. I've always liked the Lions uniforms. Uh, the Rams, okay. when they wear the yellow, I like the the Rams yellow. Um, I'm going to leave it at that. I, you know, and I hate on Miami, but some of the Miami choices, I don't even mind. Okay. I uh, I like those choices. I uh, You named off, out of the five or six you named off there, uh, all those ones ranked really high in every uniform ranking I read uh, on the internet in the last last year. Uh, except for Miami, the uh, they were one of the worst uniforms. Mm-hmm. Except uh, their throwbacks are are rated one of the best. So I think Miami just just go back to the fucking throwback, and they're actually tweaking their uniforms next year again. Uh, but they need to go go back to the to the beautiful retros that Marino wore with the with the aqua face mask, and like how beautiful was that uniform? And they went and they changed the dolphin. They took the helmet off the dolphin, and they look ridiculous. It looks so the dolphin with stupid. a helmet look ridiculous too. I like the color scheme. The color but, scheme uh, was beautiful with the orange and the. But I'd rather see like Tampa do the creamsicle again. I want the Broncos to go back to their old school with the oh. D on the front. That was probably my favorite one. Right. But, right. Uh, What's old is new again. Everybody, the NBA's doing it, and pro- uh, baseball's doing it. Bring back your retros, guys, and watch the sales go through the roof. Fucking stupid. I, I'm going to go Raiders, I, even though I hate the team. I, they're he's just silver black. It's so good. And the pirate oh, guy man, and everything. Raiders, oh. I forgot about them. Awesome. Steelers, I love the Redskins color scheme and uniform. I always liked that uniform and uh, the logo and the white, the yellow face That's mask. Good. I like that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, old Giants, when they had Phil Sims, I like that. Giants on the, you know, it's gee, it's just ridiculous. And uh, the fifth one is a wild card. It could be a number of teams. Uh, I kind of always liked um, the Saints uh, uniforms when they wear gold pants with the with the black shirt. I agree. Lose the collar, 
a yeah. fucking collar experiment that the NFL did a couple of years ago where it kind of looked like an actual like polo shirt collar. Yeah, garbage. The thick it's gar- garbage. Lose the yellow, but I- I'm with you there. All right, and the last one. Will the Browns win the AFC North? <laughs> uh... This could be our last podcast with this answer, my friend. <laughs> Well, to all the listeners, it's been a pleasure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, fuck it. I'm going yes. I... <laughs> yeah, Browns win. Okay. I think it's. Uh, I think it goes. Uh, Browns, Ravens, Steelers, Bengals. Wow. And, wow. But the top three are just... super tight. <laughs> super super tight. Yeah, after we just finished talking about how Lamar Jackson is going to fuck up with his new offense and I how you're going to put him second Greg now. Roman will be fired after week two, and they're going to go back to what worked. Now, you're probably right. I'll, the Ravens defense, I just don't know what the Steelers are going to do. Uh, they're going to bring the heat is what they're going to do. Yeah, I'll say so I'll say Browns, Steelers, Ravens, Bengals. I'll say that. Okay. Uh, I think the Browns will get one over on the Steelers. Um you know, at home or something like that, and that'll be like the, um, the the separation as to who finishes first. You know what? I'm with I'm with you there. I think the Browns make a leap this year, but I also think that you know last year it was the Steelers were literally a game away and a and a Browns win away from winning the division. Um, I I just I, Pittsburgh's still the class of that of that division. They still they they've gotten better this offseason with the same offensive line. They're going to have enough weapons, believe me. James Washington's lost 15 pounds. He's he's going to be a good good third receiver. Deontay Johnson looks like he's the real deal. Um they've got weapons Smith Schuster. Uh they're going to they're looking for a tight end right now in in uh, the free agency market. Uh, I think uh, they need to upgrade that um that position with Vance McDonald, but you know what they've done on defense by bringing in Mark Barron and Steve Nelson and drafting Bush and some of the other guys that they've drafted. Isaiah Bugs looks like he's a freaking monster. You know, I, I think they really stole. They got a steal there in the late rounds with him. So I, I think that I think people just better not sleep on Pittsburgh. They're not going to beat New England Week One. That's the that's the season opener in New England. I think Pittsburgh goes 0-1 right away, but. After that, I think they're going to just right the ship. They're going to finish 10 and 6, 11 and 5, somewhere in there. They'll win the division, and the Brownies will be fucking swimming up that shit Ohio River, you know, without a paddle. Or I don't even know how that goes. Canoeing without a paddle or whatever the fuck. You know, the dirtiest river in the world is in Ohio. Did you know that? Uh, No, but as you can see, I'm not surprised. And it actually, it was, it's so polluted and so dirty and so shitty, it caught fire in the 70s. A river, water caught fire. (laughs) That's all right. Anywho, Brock, on that note, that was awesome. Brother, that's the end of our NFL segment. We'll be back next week with some more stuff to talk about, hopefully, with the Raptors winning. And we are out. 